Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer is a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Shelf Books Podcast. It's another week, another new episode, and another new author guest who will share with us her shelf book story. And I personally know this author for a few years now, and I am quite excited to hear her shelf book. Um, not sure if I've read this shelf book, but we will see uh, because I also have critiqued her works uh, in the past which is why I'm so excited that she's here because she's a beautiful writer of Love, Fortunes, and Other Disasters and its sequel, Love, Charms, and Other Catastrophes. She actually lives in Florida. Uh, biggest perk, Disneyland. <laughs> and go to her Instagram. It's mostly Disneyland pictures. And I, I'm living for it. I, I honestly, I mean, if I lived that close to that theme park, I would have annual passes as well. Okay, and she also holds an MFA in fiction from the University of South Florida. And her fiction actually appeared in several literary journals like Luna Station Quarterly and the Medulla Review and the Huggle Pot. I hope I said those things right. <laughs> and her chapbook was actually published in 2013, Pocket Forest uh, by Deathless Press. So Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, and the spectrum of everybody who is welcome to the podcast, Kimberly Caralus. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Please welcome. And she is—I I forgot to mention—she is the the she specializes in the wonder, the weird, and the whimsy. That's what she specializes in. It's actually on her website. So uh, Kim, if you can tell our viewers and uh, listeners a little bit more about you. Okay, so yeah, Kate and I especially go way back, right, because we're, as we call ourselves, like Swoon sisters, in the sense that we have both been published by Swoon Reads. Um, so I think we were pretty, we were pretty, um, like one of the first, you know, set of authors who had gotten published there, which is very exciting. I know um, in particular, like I was in like the, I guess, second group that was chosen. And so it was an exciting time because they were still kind of like, um, like cobbling together, like an actual physical um, book tour and everything, which I got to be part of, which was very cool as well. And um, it was just a really exciting time. And it was very exciting to be involved in Soon Reads because it was so different from um, other publishing opportunities. Um, the main way it was different was um, it, like the manuscripts were chosen through like reader feedback um, and reader voting. Um, so like, you know, people can sign up, join the website, um, read the manuscripts, and then also be part of that like voting process. So of course, like the Spoon Read staff had to love the books, you know, themselves, but they also based their choices heavily on like the reactions from the readers, which was such an exciting concept. But it also wasn't a new concept for me um, because before I um, had found Soon Reads and submitted my manuscript, which became Love Fortunes and Other Disasters, 
um, I had been part of um, another online writing site um, that had been called figment.com, which had um, come into being in, I think, 2010. And I had joined like as soon as it became like officially live. So that was like, I remember like December 2010, very iconic moment to sign on using my name and everything and just sharing, um, you know, like my manuscripts, which were just written as I went along. Like the whole basis of it was that they were serial, um, you know, novels that you were supposed to be writing sort of based off of like the Japanese concept, which was fairly new, I think, to America at the time. Um, so they were trying to sort of adapt that to, you know, maybe a U.S. audience, um, but it attracted all sorts of people to join. But through that experience of just kind of like writing as I was going, like getting feedback from readers, finding out what they liked, what they didn't like, and like learning from that, um, it just felt so natural to then apply um, to Swearings. And like, I'm glad that the readership on there was just as receptive with my like musical stories, you know? So it was a very exciting journey, um, very, you know, sometimes stressful at times, right? Like with cover voting. Um, Kate, I don't know if you had moments where maybe you couldn't sleep. I know I couldn't. The whole week we did that. I, I literally had so much trouble sleeping <laughs> because I was so scared that yeah. a cover I didn't like was going to get picked. So, <laughs> no, yeah. The thing is they present you with like five covers that will like go mm -hmm. on voting, like, yeah, three to five. And but of course, you as the author has has a favorite. And you're like, please vote that. Please. Vote <laughs> it through. And it's really stressful because I I know, like in, in one of my books, it's like, um, it wasn't the cover that I wanted that won. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And it's kind of like, it's hard to like be like, all right, hold, hold on. Let me just uh, like somehow readjust my brain, <laughs> you know, because you really do like connect with at least one of them, like pretty hardcore when that happens. Um, I know for Love Fortunes, it was a cover that came in at the like the last minute that ended up like getting chosen. It's the kind of one we see today, which is amazing. Um, but that that was that was wonderful because before that I had a favorite, but wasn't completely married to any of them. So yeah, I mean, super fun. But I mean, so we had a, a good time with Spoon Reads throughout its ups and downs. And then, you know, not too long ago, right, the imprint um, closed and we all kind of like dispersed physically and on spirit though, you know, we're all still pretty, <laughs> pretty close and staying in contact with each other. Um, but it's kind of been, it's been interesting. Like for me, um, you know, like I did have an agent for a while. I tried to go a middle grade route, um, didn't quite end up working. Um, and so, you know, it's just sort of trying to find like your new direction, trying to like rekindle like your your love of the craft, um, which I think, you know, I'm definitely on that path, but um, it's, it's definitely been a journey and I think everybody's kind of going through it. Certainly the pandemic um, didn't necessarily help, gave us a lot of time to write, but maybe not necessarily being able to like move forward from your manuscripts from there. So it's been, it's been an interesting couple of years. So I'm still writing. Um, still cooking up stories, but um, you know, again, like you know, trying to get back to like that that place of like excitement and you know about the whole publishing um, aspect um, of getting out there in the trenches and all that too. You know, which Christy, I'm sure you know all about. So, yeah, <laughs> it's not an easy time right now for querying. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's a great segue into your shelf book 
story. So what shelled book story are you sharing with us today? All right. So I think I'm going to talk about um, Boys and Bees. Um, I don't know if that one's familiar to you, Kate. That was from the Figment days. Yeah. That was so good. I read okay. it. <laughs> I remember. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I like the <laughs> title. You. Just the title sounds good. <laughs> you hear what it's about? Oh. <laughs> well, I, I guess I better say it then. <laughs> So, um, Boys and Bees, um, so I had originally, I think that might have been like my second or third, um, you know, novel that I started writing like on Figment. And um, it was basically, well, I was inspired by um, this Tim Walker photograph, right, um, of this girl who's sitting at a table with this gigantic like size B, and they're supposed to be like having tea together or something. And I was like, you know what, that would make a really cool story. So, of course, it's just sort of like bloomed from there. So it's about this girl named Laura Beth, who is attending a school that um, specializes in training like these special like magical like bees. So you can train them to do tricks, maybe produce certain kinds of honey, like all different sorts of functions, kind of up to your imagination and your skill set. Um, but so she loves her school. She's getting ready to graduate um, from it. Um, and there's just one thing that she still wants to tackle, which is trying to understand boys, uh, <laughs> hence the title. Um, and so she kind of looks towards like the popular girl in school named Hedda, who um, tends to attract a lot of attention from guys. She's always getting love letters from them. Um, and Laura Bess trying to figure out what the big secret is, you know, what's she doing right? Um, and so she ends up like trying to like steal Hedda's love letters just to read them, to get an idea, gets caught doing that. And it sort of leads to this sort of reluctant friendship between them um, that only grows um, and gets a little bit more complex as another thing happens in the school, which is that um, the beehives are actually attacked. Um, they burn down mysteriously one night and um, Laura Beth and Hedda kind of take it upon themselves to try to figure out who did it and then how to stop that from happening again. Um, so they have this friendship that they're building and they, there's also a lot of romance in it as well. Um, got, a, I think, a love triangle in there and, you know, a, a few other interesting characters who kind of step in and sort of help both Hedda and Laura Beth sort of grow in their like, different directions. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of magical stuff and researching it um, kind of made me like a little less like scared of bees because of course I was, you know <laughs> so it helped it like still scared of wasps though that's never going to change oh, yeah um but I feel like I could understand bees a little bit more I'm not as like you know my heart rate doesn't go up as like crazy like when <laughs> like what happens to like fly by me which is a thing in Florida all the time because you have like the um you know hot weather like most of the year and so they're very active all year round there's no real hibernation period you know so well, I can tell you the premise sounds amazing. I really kind of like that. And the reluctant friendship on top of the mystery, that's awesome. What else could you want? That's great. Yeah, and actually when I was reading this book, when I was critiquing it with him, I could already see the book, like a, the physical book. Like I could see like every chapter would have like a bee on it. You know, like the, the, mm -hmm. the chapter art would be like a bee. And, you know, the co I could imagine the cover because that's how... Uh, that's how um, detailed and uh, wonderful Kim's writing is. It's it's so it's you're really in that world when she creates oh, that. Man. When you read it, it's it's so 
So why did you decide to show this book? Um, I guess you could say like the decision was made for me, which sometimes <laughs> I think that happens, right? <laughs> um, so I guess like after, um, you know, Figment had shut down, of course, like all my manuscripts were all there naturally. And um, it was, I think like a little bit after like um, Love Charms and Other Catastrophes was published, I was trying to see what my third book was going to be with Sunreads. My original manuscript um, that I was trying to, to see if Sunreads would take, um, you know, did get turned down. And so um, my editor at the time had told me, like, you know, by the way, maybe you might want to pursue middle grade um, because, you know, you've got like, I guess like that sort of like Disney feel that sometimes comes across in your stories. Maybe like writing for a younger audience might be like a better step than like continuing with young adult fiction, which is what I was doing at the time. So I did take her advice to heart and I thought that Boys and Bees could maybe fit that mold like the best to like, you know, um, write like a first like middle grade book. And I already like absolutely loved the story, was dying to finish it because I hadn't finished it uh, previously. So it was a good excuse to do that. And um, so I was reshaping that, um, ended up uh, connecting with an agent and uh, the agent, you know, also helped me transform it like from like the young adult vibes that it did still have like to a more middle grade feel and I think around that time Kate um, had been able to to take a look at it as well to start it because I was like how is this really coming across for a younger age group not that it was like too mature to begin with but you know um so so that was all happening and um so my editor had seen like the final product after my agent and I were done working on it um she did pass on it and then it went to, I think, four other editors, and they all had, like, different reasons for passing on it as well. Like, I think one of them, it was, it was just a timing issue. Like, they had already, um, you know, picked another book that had, like, a bug theme to it, so they couldn't do more than one. Um, the other feedback was very, very vague, just, like, it's great, but we're passing on it. So I didn't really have anything to, like, work with. Um, and some of like the old advice, like, of you know, that I'd gone previously about like other changes to be made kind of felt like it would maybe, um, you know, distort the story as I thought it should be. So I just kind of decided to like to put it away then and then move on to another project, um, you know, which felt like a good decision at the time. And I think it was so. Like what ultimately led you to that decision? I mean, besides the feedback that you know, that was being given to you. And so it was submitted to, uh, to your agent submitted it to other public right. office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I said, I think um, I probably would have kept going with it longer if, um, if I had received like some more like specific advice about like what, you know, would need to make it, you know, to improve it, to make it better. Um, but because I wasn't getting that, I kind of felt like okay, maybe the manuscript isn't flawed, but maybe this is just really bad timing. Maybe this is just like not the right like atmosphere. Maybe it's not even like the, the right like age group after all, like to sell it in, you know? Um, but I think like having more questions than answers about it and not really being sure if it was, if it was truly like a weak manuscript or not, like kind of like, you know, settled that decision for me, you know? And so you moved on to something else after that. Like, was it 
was it hard for you to just close that book, leave it and say, okay, we're going to start something new now? Absolutely. Especially because at the time, um, I think there were a lot of like stories popping up like in the news about bees. Um, I think like I had read about like, uh, there was like a city somewhere where um, they were encouraging like kids to like, you know, raise and take care of beehives in the city. And I was like, oh, this is like the perfect time to have some sort of like bee book come out. So I think that was like kind of like maybe the hardest thing where like, you know, sometimes when you're working on a story, like the universe kind of like starts like sort of pulling it all together for you. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've experienced that. Um, yeah. But I think that's what makes like, I guess, rejection or timing not working out like so much harder because you feel like it's the perfect time, um, you know, and you can't get it to work. So, yeah. What year was this around? I'm sorry. What year was this all happening in? I think it had to be like um, 2018, 2019, something like that. Because you figure with all the climate and everything, you know, like the bee populations going down, like, I mean, everything Mm -hmm. seems to like just fit in for that. So you never know in publishing, right? (laughs) Right. And I would kind of hope like, you know, as well as just enjoying the story, maybe readers could maybe come away from it like I did with writing it with like having like less fear about bees you know, being more like open to, you know, the great things that they do for our planet. And, um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, if you kind of see them maybe as like, oh, essentially, maybe they're a little bit more friendlier than they actually are, you know, (laughs) Um, it kind of would lend to some like nice feelings, which could go in positive places, but, you know. Yeah. Like at the time, like what were the feelings that were going through your, you know, going through you when that, you finally realize that so maybe I should set the story aside for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely disappointment was the the big feeling. Um, I had, you know, gone through, of course, multiple drafts on it. Um, I had <laughs> multiple, uh, I guess, like debates and discussions with, you know, my agents about like, what would be a good move? Like, should we get rid of this character? Should we get rid of like this whole theme? Like, you know, you, does this part need to be more mature? Does this part need to do this? Um, how does this villain need to go? Like, we like had pretty much like discussed like every aspect of the book by the end of it, um, and there was a lot that did change. There was a lot that like that did stay, thankfully. Um, but it was like, I think we like we argued almost about everything, and not like not like mean argument, but like. <laughs> we were just struggling to figure out what was going on with this book. Like, why wasn't it, you know, on its way somewhere, you know? Um, and so, yeah, disappointment is definitely the big one. Um, and just like having like sort of a deep connection to the manuscript because it had like such a long history of being with me, you know, like throughout all those years. Um, and also having like a really positive reception at the time when it was, you know, being posted on Figment. Um, so that's always kind of it's hard to like figure out like okay you know you're getting really positive wonderful you know comments and excitement you know from like your readership you know Um, but then publishing is always a different experience you know you're not you know your readers see your book last in a way you know Um, so you're not really sure what they're going to to think if it ever even lands in their hands Um, you know so I, I think those were like the main feelings that I was definitely wrestling with at the time. Yeah, because I think that could be like very frustrating, you know, like especially when you're getting such good feedback on yeah. the book and like uh, people are, are 
for me, when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this, this deserves to be published. And so I, I, you could feel my frustration. I hope you could feel my frustration as well, because, yes. you know, <laughs> it, it's such a, seriously, I, I wish, like, just having this conversation, I'm remembering, like, more details about the story and that, you know, it's, like I said, sometimes we we've also seen this pop up is that it might not be the right time or but then for you there yeah there were like a lot of i was i, I was seeing those those news too like people were saying we must save the bees mm-hmm. the if they disappear we will disappear and you know so it's kind of that synchronicity of someone should have picked it up you know yeah. i for me I, i'm already thinking it's a perfect book for scholastic one yeah you know, because that's where Scholastic is in that realm. And I was like, oh, if, if I could only be your agent, seriously, I know if I know anything about agent agenting, I would be like, um, yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> so is this like when you set it aside, is that it? Or do you are do you wanna revisit or are you gonna like query it again maybe? Yeah, so the good the good news is that um, I'm absolutely not like permanently shelving this. Um, I could probably say that about all my manuscripts, though. Like I never, I, I can't give them up. You know, they just they're sitting there though. They're they're festering. I don't know what else to call it um, until like the good ideas come, right? To like actually be able to work on it. Um, I think like part of why I hadn't like sent it out you know, right away after the rejection and things like, um, it's just, you know, it has like, it has a record on it, right? Like the more editors who see it, who reject it kind of narrows your window um, of who you can um, submit to. And then also like, you know, I did part ways with my agent as well. Um, So, you know, going to query for a new agent with a book that has already been seen, it's like, yeah, I had to put it aside. so even when it comes to revising it, I don't think, um, you know, I would still like send it out as a middle grade or even go back to YA. Um, I am trying to, um, you know, explore and lean towards adult. Um, so if there's a way to maybe revise it and like reimagine the story from like an adult perspective, um, I think that would be how I would approach it next. And I do want to. Um, so it's definitely like in my thoughts. That's a really cool idea. I actually like that, that you would make it an adult book. Like there's so many possibilities with that. That's great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I could just see like the magical realism that could come into that and that, you know, because um, definitely you have books like The Time Traveler's Wife and, you know, that they are, there's a lot of whimsical uh, aspects to it, but at the same time can also be very attractive to adults uh, that, yeah, I, 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 actually, it's like, for me, the story is strong enough that regardless of the age range that you put it in, I think it's just that the way that you craft, recraft the plot would then um, elevate it to if you're thinking mm-hmm. of it as an adult. And that's a great thing for writers to also hear is that sometimes if a story is not working in a certain age range, maybe your characters are too mature for that age range, then maybe it's good to explore YA or good to explore adult. It's not necessarily 
uh, a dead end. Like if you wrote it for, from that perspective. And the thing is, um, what, like if ever, um, what would like make you, what, what would make it like an adult for you? What, how would so, you the aspect of that story? I think like the first thing I would absolutely do is I would have, um, you know, those main characters like Laura Beth and Hedda, I think I would have them be teachers there. So, Love and it. it would be kind of interesting to, you know, having known them as characters for so long, like reimagine them as like, hey, this is them growing up. This is them working in the school instead of learning and still having that sort of abrasive dynamic that they had at first with each other um, in the school. Um, like, like having- would they even be like having, would they have gone to the school as kids and known each other there? Yeah, thing? totally. Oh, <laughs> I can't that take that so away from them. Cool. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it would be fun. And then seeing, of course, like, you know, the other characters like Petro growing up, um, you know, who's one of the love interests that they, they both share. Um, seeing what Keith would look like as an adult hypnotist. I mean, you know, um, I, I failed to mention before, Christy, that um, a huge part of this book is also like circus stuff because Laura Beth comes from like a, a background of like her parents running a circus, a traveling circus. Oh my circus. God, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so, God. Okay, now you have to write this book as an adult because <laughs> I want to read it. Yeah, totally into it because I love that aspect of them knowing each other, like going to the school, and like I mean that that yeah, no, that opens so many doors. Yeah, it definitely. It's like like if I remember correctly, right? She went to that school to learn to, to create an act mm-hmm. for yes. her parents' circus, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. that like, training. The yeah, she was trying to like earn her place, like you know, with the circus. So in like an adult version, if she's still working there as a teacher. I think, you know, I would be exploring, like, you know, how did things develop with her that she decided to stay and teach instead of returning to the circus? And it might not have even been a choice. Maybe something might have happened to their circus, you know, that she couldn't rejoin them, you know? So I think, like, I would be, like, exploring some of that as well, um, which could be fun. I feel like it's awesome because, like, as an author, like, it's almost like you're following these two characters, like, throughout their lives. Like, you've made them, you've made them come alive by doing this because... You, you know them so well as kids and now you're going to write them as adults like that's like I'm getting goosebumps you know like that's <laughs> so cool because that's all we want is to know our characters and live with them and you know so I think that's awesome super excited I hope you do it yeah I thank you then you if that's my way I mean <laughs> I mean to read it <laughs> thank you I will probably take you up on that offer <laughs> Ready. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> does is a, an amazing critique partner as well. So I mean, you know, it's like it's it's that. It's sometimes when we as authors, you know, we get stuck in like a certain just a bubble of ourselves that that we forget that there's also like a community out there that can also help us. And th- this is one of the reasons why we started this podcast also it's that to help that community and to maybe let authors who feel like they're all alone feel like no you're not like we're going through the same things like oh i had an agent and it didn't work out and 
you know, I had to shelve this book. And so, so how many years has it been since you've last looked at that book? Um, so it's gotta be at least like three years. It feels longer than that though. Like it really feels like it's been ages. Years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably has to do with it. Like if I opened up the Word document now, like I would see like cobwebs on it, <laughs> sort of like feeling, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what that was what we were saying, like gathering proverbial digital dust. <laughs> yes, because mm -hmm. I know that like um, for a lot of authors, like it's a like it helps them in their process to when they finish a draft to like put it away and like so then you separate yourself from it like a little while. And I do hope that like in terms of the shelf books that I have, that is a benefit. But usually for me, I kind of just like want to get something done, you know, so maybe I'll put it away for like a day and then be like, it's revision time, you know, so I just like meeting deadlines and getting stuff done. And um, so anything that prevents me from doing that, I'm not always a fan of, but yeah, um, that's a big thing. Same. Uh, when I write something and I finish it, I want to edit it right away because I know yep. the, the hard part is done. Like, because I'm, I think I'm mm -hmm. an opposite with with other. Because there are some writers that are like they love the writing process but dread the editing process. I'm the opposite. It's like <laughs> I'm the opposite. We just like I sometimes dread the blank page, but I know what to do with. Mm -hmm. That is filled with words so it's kind of like i'm excited to finish the story just so that i can go back take it apart and put it back together yeah yeah absolutely yeah the blank and i find that like overwhelming <laughs> i think like editing um editing your own work right gets intimidating i think the longer you are like in the business or right, trying to get published because you start getting professional feedback like from agents from editors uh, and then sometimes it gets a little unclear about like okay like what advice is true to the story but also making me a better writer and helping me produce like a better manuscript and i think like it, it does get hard to tell like okay like what what really is the the right advice because not everybody has it for you you know um because we all have different tastes uh, we're coming from different positions and um so i think that's one of the hardest things i would say like you know uh, you know being like in the position that i am and also like with other like authors probably as well like it's like okay you know when you get your advice like is it is it right you know and i think you kind of have to like trust your heart a little bit but then also you know be open to to changing you know some things that maybe you really love but may need to cut so yeah um, yeah it's true. and you know just because it's a it, just because it's coming from a professional does not necessarily mean it's the right advice or mm -hmm. that sometimes it's like the it's coming from the way they view the the your story or the yeah. way view your story from their lens and from their yeah. experience right but that doesn't necessarily mean that experience fits your vision of the book so at the end of the day it's like you should really like stick to your vision of the i i'm saying this as a general like not only to you right. get, like sticking to because sometimes we lose that along the way it's like because we get some so much feedback from other people it's like what was my original vision for this book yeah and sometimes the original vision was the right one because it yes. came from our gut it, it came from what we thought what we were enjoying 
when we were writing at the time because that's the the magical spark of it and you know sometimes i think we need to get back to that right that that where where did that original spark come from and make that book what it once was because maybe yeah. in the beginning it wasn't so bad after all <laughs> <laughs> exactly and isn't that kind of like frightening when you first start like to like realize that you know like, I don't know if you could remember the first time it happening, but you're like, wait a second. Like, was it really bad? Like, was it really bad? Was it really bad? And then you go and you look and you're like, maybe not. Like, yeah. am I sure? It's yeah. like, you know, but no, I edited it already. Because <laughs> like, I, I think eventually you'll experience this, Christy. It's like when, when you finally find your agent and when you finally get to that part where you're in the publishing industry. And of course, you're going to listen to your editor and what your editor is trying to say and all of that but at the end of the day it's like you also have to listen to yourself because you're the one who wrote the book and maintain that vision for the book and sometimes it happens in the industry as well where the editor and the writer just clash <laughs> they don't match anymore which is kind of weird because when you get an editor it's because it led to you know acquisition that editor yeah. acquired so it's kind of weird to hear stories where it just didn't work out and then a new editor was brought in i'm like i wonder what happened there yeah <laughs> because i know an editor has to be like oh i i'm gonna pitch this book there's an actual meeting that happens where all editors come together and they're like okay i want this book this book this book this book and so you know so i don't know along the way so which is why it also goes back to that you know, listening to your 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 yeah. instant voice, yeah, your writer voice, and thinking like maybe I was right in, in in the beginning, and then finding that person, that editor, that agent who's like she's right, <laughs> you know, I see mm -hmm. it, the vision, I see it, and and that's I think that's the hard part nowadays is the yeah. finding that partnership because now more than ever when you see those rejection letters we're like i i, I don't see myself as being the champion or like the proper champion of this yeah book. right yeah yeah that's hard and i think the when you were talking earlier this morning too about getting vague feedback you know like a lot of times that's what you're getting and it's i agree with you you're sitting there going like well is it the character is it the story is it the setting is it you know is it because it's mg versus ya is it too long too short and when they don't tell you you know, it's kind of everything is up in the air. But I also wanted to tell you that I think that what you are saying and what you are planning on doing with your story is wonderful for new writers. Because I think as a new writer, sometimes you get stuck with your manuscript. And when it's not working or people don't like it, you're like almost line editing instead of mixing, like going big, you know, like you're going super big, you're changing it from MDYA to adult. And I think sometimes you get stuck in that, like, Maybe if I just change this one scene, but sometimes that's not what you need to do. Sometimes you need to like blow it up and put the pieces back together. And I think that's great that you're doing that. And it's great that you told us about it because I think it can only help the younger writers that are, you know, the new, not even younger, newer writers that are going to listen to this. So bravo. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I think it's like, you know, you have to, I think you have to just like, be, I guess, honest with yourself as a writer in terms of how much you care about your characters and your story too. Like to think like there was a reason why I, I felt 
like I needed to write about them, you know, and maybe within that spark, like Kate was saying, like, there is some way to, I don't know, like salvage it, like that there is a way to tell that story, which, you know, uh, you know, speaks to, you know, your intention and your excitement over it, but then also does appeal, you know, to like a wider readership as well. And there has to be a way to figure out how to get to that point. It's always tricky, you know, because I think for each book, it's different. And also, you know, with battling like, you know, uh, whatever's going on in publishing for the day, you know, Um, and all that. It's a lot of factors that you just can't, um, you know, predict, or even if you did predict it, it's already passed and now there's something new. (laughs) So, um, so it's kind of like, you know, you really do have to like, feel like you are working on something and submitting a story that, you know, at least you're proud of, you know, and I think that is super important and it's really hard to achieve that though it's yes. easy um but Agreed. I think that that's like what we you know all try to strive for in some ways so it's good to remember yeah for sure because you've edited it already and then when an editor acquires it you will edit it again and then it will be edited again and again so really you're right you have to be proud of that story you have to love that story enough to go through so many edits up to the very end because you're going to be reading it over and over (laughs) that too (laughs) you will get sick of it (laughs) (laughs) if you don't love it enough then you know it's not going to take you through the process the the entire process you know um it's like we i think it's always good to remember the how was i feeling when i was first writing this book that kind of excitement and try to maintain that from beginning to end. I, I guess I also understand why some authors like Stephen King famously says that once a book gets published, he doesn't read it anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, because one, he, he because he says one, I want to change stuff. <laughs> and I can't yeah, yeah. do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I can um, relate. <laughs> same. <laughs> and two, because you've read it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're done. <laughs> but it's like you didn't lose any. You didn't lose any love for your story, but you just really don't want to look at it on the page, like you know, <laughs> that's right. anymore. That's normal too. I would say beyond your control already. Like people are purchasing that book as is, and so you can, yeah. Can you return it because I have to change like <laughs> exactly. it's the urge because it's not like I mean I don't even consider myself like a sort of like chronic editor like I I, like I need to keep going back and fixing things but you know you keep growing as an author like the more you write the more you learn and then so it's kind of hard sometimes to go back and read your old stuff and your old published stuff is like a whole nother category (laughs) you change it you know Know, it gets a, a little cringy to go read your past stuff. It's like, oh, oh, why did yeah. I do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'll just I'll just admire the cover. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and I mean, if you like listeners and, and, and viewers, if you go to Amazon or wherever you get your books and look for Kim's books, the covers are just lovely. They are just so lovely, which is why I could already see the cover for uh Oh, of boys and bees, am I right? Or mm-hmm. yeah. Or if you're talking about the the shelved book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could already see like I, it. It was even like an embossed cover, so it's sort of like, <gasps> you know you can feel it. 
on your fingers and stuff like that. Anyway, I think there, I think there is a, a parallel universe somewhere where that book actually exists because, <laughs> because I feel like my parallel self, like, actually has it in her shelf. She's <laughs> felt it. <laughs> You're like, it's there. Like, I promise. Like, we just get up and look. <laughs> oh, there's a matrix somewhere where I can feel that book mm-hmm. in the So that's a great way to segue into our speed round with yes. So take it away, Christy. Okay, so it's 10 questions, top of the, you know, top of your head question. It's nothing too deep. Don't worry. Um, and it's just, we're just trying to get you know, to, to know you better. So are you ready? Ready. Yep. Okay. Number one, what did you want to be when you grew up? A Disney animator. Oh, yes. Do you prefer being the driver or the passenger? Definitely the passenger. I am not a fan of driving, but I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you go on your dream vacation? Hmm. Well, I would like to actually go, hopefully do another Disney, like Disney Paris, uh, Tokyo Disney, like fingers crossed, you know. Oh, like soon. go around the world, the Disney world, the, like the, all, all the Disney's. The world. Oh, yeah. okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Okay. Number, number four, night owl or early bird? Early bird, definitely. I am officially an AM writer and AM everything. I go to bed early because of nice. it. I like it. What household chore do you like the least? Probably vacuuming. You know, yeah, it's I'm like, working. yeah, yeah, it's no fun. That and dusting. Mm-hmm. Um, plotter or pantser? Um, I would say a reformed pantser. <laughs> I used to just <laughs> open up a doc and be like, I'm writing a new chapter today. But recently, I have forced myself to do some kind of um, outline, and it, it pays off. Like, it's a good, good thing for me to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? And it can be real or imagined or whatever, like anything you feel like. I think it would be fun to be invisible, you know, then you could just kind of do whatever you want, go unattended, (laughs) you know. Very true. What is your favorite dessert? That would have to be, that's like a really hard question. (laughs) (laughs) There's so Um, many choices. Yes, well. I do have a soft spot for ice cream, of course. So, like, and there's so many nice, like, I don't know, gourmet ice cream places where I live. It's so hard to choose. I'm like partial to anything that has like flowers in it, though, like lavender. You know, it's like <gasps> violet. Oh, good. You know, mm, that sounds I can't delicious. Turn it down. <laughs> Why would you? Number <laughs> nine. If you, if you were to win an Olympic medal for a sport and it can be real or imagined, what would it be? I would probably say curling. Um, I find it really fun to watch. I have no uh, sports skills whatsoever. I can't, I can't even run. I can't do anything. Um, but I love curling. I think it's fun. It's cool. It's very cool. And the last one, would you prefer to bungee jump, skydive, or climb Mount Everest? Um, let's see. Probably maybe even like skydive. And the reason I say that is because I'm a huge like roller coaster fan. So out of three terrifying choices, um, I like <laughs> throw myself off of like metaphorical cliffs on all these coasters all the time. So surely I could do that if I had to. So <laughs> very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. Your answers are so great and like totally like fits my vision of your personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs>
course, this is like cobbled together from stalking you on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> reading your story. You can't stalk me if we're already friends, KG. <laughs> <laughs> That's called friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like so weird when it's like belated, you think, are we friends? Yes, we are. I hope we are. <laughs> it's just sometimes it's easier, though, to keep up with your friends by like watching what they're posting on social media because we all don't yeah. like live near each other. Like, I have very few like local friends. So, like, mm -hmm. that's, you know, how I know what everybody's doing. So. Yeah. It's like, yeah, seriously, like every time she posts, every time you post, a dessert from Disneyland. I'm like, Ugh. why? <laughs> you. You'll get there one day, Kate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you'll have to let me know when you do. I, I will. I will. I, I'll be like, Kim, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're like, take time off. Go see you. It's so intricate. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Where can they find you? Where can our listeners and viewers find you so you can pretty much find me anywhere but with that said um i am mainly on instagram these days so um you know i'll be posting my frequent like theme park trips or whatever i ate on there um but occasionally you know when like the time is right i always post like writing stuff there as well um so i am like on twitter um i do have a Facebook page, but I barely use it. So yeah, it's it's really if you really want to find me and talk, it's one hundred percent Instagram. So, and it's Kim is worth the follow seriously because one, she takes great pictures, and 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 two, her adventures. I mean, I could just I just want to live vicariously through you when you go to Disneyland. I'm like, I want to so bad. I want to be there, and and and. Definitely, please get her books, Love, Fortunes, and Other Disasters, and its sequel, Love, Charms, and Other Catastrophes, because you will not be disappointed. I, honestly, you have to experience the Kimberly Corrales writing that we have been talking about here today. Please hit that smash button. Uh, uh, smash smash that <laughs> button. <laughs> well, I should also add, too, um, you know, don't forget, I do have a free ebook. That took place between two of them. Um, oh, yeah. So that was first kisses and other misfortunes. So which features um, Nico and Martin, um, two of the minor characters. So kind of find out what happens to them between the two books. So nice. that's available um, online. I think you can get that anywhere you get your ebooks from as well. So it's so good, and and it would it actually would be like a great primer as well to get into the world, but. In all honesty, those two books plus that free short, it's a short story, right? Or novella. It's like a novella, right? I think it's a novella. Yeah. yeah. It's long enough, but not like a full novel. Yeah. Exactly. Because I know, because when I was reading it, I, if I remember correctly, it was like several chapters, but not yeah. like. So, so, yeah, make that your next read. Make, make her books your next read because more people need to know about Kim's work. I honestly, because you're you're missing out on the whimsy, the wonder, and the weird. That's 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 just basically it. Because that's how her writing is. And hopefully one day we are sending this out into the universe. Someone will say, "Wow, I need this B book in my life," and I will publish this B book because we need to read 
this be it. <laughs> I mean, I can't really see the adult version of it uh, once you finally, you know, um, feel like you want to send it my way. I'm just saying. <laughs> Noted. No pressure. <laughs> it's not no, like it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear. I mean, and, you know, it just inspires me to just like push it forward and keep brainstorming to get to that point where I'm ready to do it, you know? <laughs> Good job, Kate. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> because I know this story and I I love it to bits. And, and well, no, really, any book that you send my way to read, I'm like, I, I'm down. <laughs> Kim, Kim sends me something. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, because writes already reads as a you know as a finished novel you know it's, it's, it's so good um so if you are dear viewers and dear listeners um have a shelf book story that you want to share with us here on the podcast you can actually email it to us on shelfbookspodcast at gmail.com and we might even read it on the podcast and if we love your shelf book we might even invite you as a guest you can be a guest the way Kim has been a guest and the way our other guests have been on this podcast. We're excited to have you. And if you are watching us through YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and maybe give us a like, you know, and hit that notification bell. And if you are listening, please leave us a review, five-star review, uh, wherever you consume your podcasts because it helps us get uh, up there in the um, lists also. So thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of the Shelf Books podcast. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Christy Berman. And our co-host, Angie Sandro, is out uh, sick today, but um, we wish we her, wish her well. <laughs> well. Get well soon, Angie. We miss you and we can't wait to have you back here on the podcast. Kim, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. So remember, keep on writing. Bye. Bye. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting. So are we.